I'm Jamie Gennaro, and this is Business for Humans. Let's talk about taking your business to a new level without the suits and without being a robot. Here, you can be yourself, you can be imperfect, you can be flawed, and you can still have raging success. So let's go. All right. This is Business for Humans. Today, I'm super excited because I get to interview Joy Meserve and Joy and I have known each other now for what feels like decades. I think it's reaching two decades, which is amazing. And I love that she's back in my life. We used to work together back in the day. But now Joy teaches executive leaders how to drive high-performing employee engagement while cultivating a more joyful workplace. And I love that because I can honestly say that when I worked with you, it was a very joyful workplace. So, So tell me what that means. Like what, tell me all about what you're doing now. Yeah, so um, I'm, you know, new to consulting and so far I love it, but um, I am on a mission to help other executives just to share and serve and partner with them to bring them some simple, really tools and concepts that can make such a transformation inside their businesses. Yeah, it's such important work. And, it, and what I love about you doing this work too is because you're leading by example. And when I was thinking about having this conversation with you, I was reflecting on one of the moments that I really hold dear in my heart of working with you was the very first time that I was in a meeting with like our leadership team, which you led. And I reflect on it all the time because we were all in a room like hashing out some problem and nobody was on the same page, (laughs) but the, but the conversation was so rich. And what I loved about you leading that conversation and sort of leading this type of interaction between all of us was that it always felt safe. It always felt respectful. It always felt like we were going somewhere. Like it never felt like we were just spinning for no reason. Like it felt like we were going to leave that room with an outcome. And then when we left that room, whatever happened in there never left. It never like emotionally left. It never physically (laughs) left. Thank goodness. But I really attribute that to your leadership. And I think we leave that room like, having been guided by a leader who let us have a voice, who let us have like also sort of a stopping point. And then we take that to our teams. And I was just reflecting on that because I feel like you in that room might have not been the person who came up with the solution, but you got us there because of the space you held. So I don't know what that means to you, but I just feel like that was such an important moment. And I think it's something that when I'm, you know, looking at leaders and looking at teams, I think a lot of times there's just not that space. There's not that space for that kind of conversation. And, and I think that's where you get joy. Like you get joy out of that level of like stimulation with people and hashing things out and really like getting to the core of problem solving together. 
Agreed. Agreed. And I, I wish I remember that conversation, um, but it was so many years ago. I mean, there were so many conversations like that um, with my teams over the years. Um, and I think something that leaders forget is that their most valuable asset is their people. And taking the time to make sure everyone feels seen and everyone feels heard is how you cultivate a culture of safety, psychological safety, but also how the best and most innovative ideas and most spontaneous creativity is fostered. And those are the, those are the moments where um, you do solve the issue because more minds are better than one many times on solutions, I would say most often on driving what the solution is. Um, and I think over the years, I definitely had to learn as a leader to step back and listen and to make sure I truly understood what was under the hood, like what was the true problem. Because as you grow up in an organization and you get, I'd say, further and further from the quote unquote front lines, um, your people are your eyes and ears to what's going on. And so when they bring you uh, an issue, like you really better stop and fully investigate all of it to see what can be done to um, not just solve it in the immediate time frame, but solve it for long term. And I'm pretty sure we were probably hashing out something along those lines, like a long term moving forward. What do we want to do? Who do we want to be? And how do we want to get there? Um, kind of situation. Yeah. And I think what was great in those conversations too is like you listened, but then we still felt like we had ownership, right? So it wasn't one of those situations where you were presenting the solution or you were telling us we had to do it a certain way or that you were disciplining us in some manner of, oh, well, the way it went before wasn't right. It was more like, hey, there is this problem to solve and let's let's bat it around. And sometimes the solution we came up with might not have been the one you were the biggest fan of, but you never stopped it from moving forward, which you know, I had so much respect for in that moment too, because that I think you were one of the first leaders I ever saw do that. <laughs> because most people I had worked for up until that point their ego would get in the way, right? Their ego would come into the room and say, but it's my idea or I need to drive this forward or somebody, some stakeholder is expecting me to do something different. So I need to drive this a different way. But you were like, hey guys, whatever we think the right solution is, is going to be the right solution. And and we'll, you know, we all have to be aligned on it, but I'm certainly not going to stand in the way. And I think that's something that obviously you can bring now as a consultant, having had that experience of helping people get there, get to that right. point. Well, and, and I love what you said about ownership. Um, I think that's one of the hallmarks of a good leader. And um, what I plan to make sure every everyone understands is that there has to be, first of all, you need to hire well. <laughs> But once you do that, you've got good people in the room that you should be able to trust. And when someone comes up with, this is the idea, I feel really passionate about this movement or this change or this thing we need to fix, 
that is a gift to a leader. That passion and excitement around fixing something, improving something is something that leaders need to harness and say, awesome. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Why don't you take this on? And when you take this on, the other piece of it is to make sure it's not just like, you know, delegate and done, right? But to partner with the person who's who's basically volunteered, you know, to solve a problem they're passionate about and they have strengths in doing so. And to say, I'm going to be there for you every step of the way. So when you have an issue, let me know. We're going to check in about this. I'm going to be a thought partner for you to see, you know, to guide you, to connect you with the right person in the organization that's going to be helpful for you or to remove obstacles in their way or um, they bring you like a bottleneck in the company that's preventing them from going forward. And you have the power as the leader to address that bottleneck and to take it higher. And sometimes, you know, then, then at the end of that, what I think is so beautiful is you can say, okay, you've now completed this. Now they have a new skill. You had one thing taken off your plate and you can give them this moment to shine in front of the whole company. Like, hey, now that you're done with that, why don't you you know, in the next meeting we have and the next all hands on deck, why don't you present, you know, what happened and what you did to solve it. And all of a sudden that person's brand is elevated in the company. And then when there's time for like a promotion or something, you're going to be looking at that person because you've seen them develop skills. You've seen them lead something. You've seen them own something. And that is so incredibly valuable to an organization to promote internally and not have to spend the time recruiting for, you know, a higher level position out there. And what happens in the organization is everybody looks around and they go, oh, that person did this amazing thing and they're getting recognized and they got promoted. I want to do that too. How can I help move the organization forward with my skill set? Yes. I love that. Yes. So here's my follow-up question for you when it comes to that thought partnership, because I feel like it's kind of a fine line with leaders where they're like, I want to be a part of this. And like, Mm -hmm. that can mean different things to different people. Like, I want to partner with you on this can sometimes mean like micromanagement where they get in there or they try to pull things off their plate or they, that person never quite feels ownership. So how do you, how do you help people kind of stay involved but pull out enough so the person running it feels that ownership and autonomy? Absolutely. I think that that is a tremendous fine line. And I'm not going to say I always did it perfectly. <laughs> you know, you remember training was my baby. So there were definitely times where I would go in after hours and edit things. <laughs> um, <laughs> But that person, I think it's it's all about the day-to-day, right? And it's all about, it's a periodic check-in with people. It is not a daily check-in. On a day-to-day, that person is working on the project. On a day-to-day, they are pulling in other stakeholders, other people in the organization. They are having the meetings. You're not even there, right? Yeah. You don't have to be at all of those meetings. You can just get the Cliff Notes version. When you check in with the person, how did that go? What happened? Tell me more. 
Um, and how do you need my help? It's, it's that question, right? And they may not need your help. And that's one of the coolest feelings too, as a leader, like, okay, great. My yeah. trust of this person just increased tenfold. Of course, you're still, you know, at the end of the day, you do need to verify that it's being done correctly. So you're going to want to see it periodically. You're going to want to make sure it's going along the right way, but yes. Yeah. I love that. And because it is, I think it's hard for some leaders to understand how far in they need to be, like how far in the weeds they need to be, because I think there's this fear that it's going to get off track. And then if I come in too late, it's going to be too late to fix it kind of. So I think there's also this interesting, I love the question of like, how do you need my help? Because that already sets up this dynamic of like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to ask you to tell me what to do, which I think immediately sort of shifts that relationship, which I love that. I wrote it down. I'm going to use that (laughs) with one of my clients because I think that's a hundred percent like that's the approach because that's even just the mindset shift of like, okay, it's about me supporting you, not me driving you or guiding you or pushing you or all these things. It's like, no, I'm here to reflect things back to you and to give you help, but not to like jump in and fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What's funny is I learned that um, from a, (laughs) I was very, very new on the job. And so I asked my boss, could I buy a book on the company's dime? You know, we were a startup. Um, So um, he, when he said yes, I was so excited to spend, you know, $15 of the company's money. And I think the book was called something like, um, like managing for first time managers. (laughs) And so Um, And they gave me like, you're going to do check-ins with your people. And these are questions to ask. And one of those questions was, how can I help? And I think there was also something about, and what can I do better? You know, and I remember doing that often as well, um, just to get a little feedback. But but what I think is, um, what I'm really excited about too, is there are some really, really simple ways to learn how to manage others some very simple tools that you don't have to have like a list of 20 things with sub bullet A, B, and C that you can keep in your head on a day-to-day practice and practice all the time. And that's part of the work that I want to bring to um, to leaders. Because what happens is I've seen this in other organizations and I've um, some of my fellow chief women, it's a it's a network of executive women, but they've told me this these stories where People are promoted up in an organization and asked to take on direct reports without ever having received any training on how to manage. And so people can climb really high up in an organization without knowing how to manage and provide feedback. Yes, that is something that is really prevalent in the advertising industry where where I come from. It's something really prevalent because what happens is you have a discipline, like you're a graphic designer. And then when you move up the ranks, now you become a creative director who manages the graphic designers. And I think what happens in that trajectory is two things. They don't get to be a graphic designer anymore, which is unfortunate because that's the skill they went to school for and their passion. That's why they got into the business. 
Now they're managing people. And what happens a lot of times in that industry too, and I'm sure it's across the board in lots of industries, but usually their manager also is like a creative director. They're a senior creative director who also never had any management experience. So I've seen also in those types of environments, check-ins don't even happen. One-on-ones don't happen because they're so busy. So the only thing... Because they're all still billable, which is another kind of downfall of not focusing on management as part of their job. And so what happens is like this manager is only checking in on the work. So it's like, let me look at the work that we're delivering and let me give you feedback on the work and everything else goes out the window. There's no growth. There's no you know, feedback or refining approach or people skills or how to manage a meeting. I mean, all of that goes out the window. And, and then the company just doesn't see the value in investing in management training. And eventually it all starts to crumble. Like you start to see the foundations crumbling because then people just basically get confused. They just don't have that guiding light of somebody who's grounded and centered in that role, right? Like I'm your manager or I'm a head of a department. I need to have a vision and I need you to, I need to tell you what that vision is so that you know where you're going and you know where we're all going and we're all getting on board. And maybe it's a collaboration of the vision, but somebody who's in that driver's seat, otherwise it just gets really complicated. So how do you, Joy, like when you see this need in the market, right? You see this need to cultivate strong management. How do you convince people that they need this or that it's worth the investment? Like, how do you help guide people to that realization? It's such a great question. Um, And one that I'm working on. (laughs) That is a a problem I'm actively working to solve. Um, But I've done some research and, you know, from Deloitte to McKinsey, what I'm finding is reinforcement of what I know and what I learned and was almost self-taught over a 22-year career. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, it's it's there. The data is out there. So what we see typically from leaders, they want to, they ultimately, right, a company's goal is to make more money right? Or at least to be cash flow positive. So many are not even cash flow positive. So how do they do that? So they spend all this time and energy and effort on like brand campaigns and fancy, fancy new marketing. And then they do, you know, oh, let's try to do new products and add-ons. We got to increase our lifetime value and let's expand to new markets. And I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying if you don't have the team in your company engaged, feeling psychologically safe, right? Feeling motivated and happy about what they're doing, having a really great culture. All of those efforts you're going to try to do are going to fall short. And eventually what happens is the morale and the culture of the company uh, starts to fall apart, like you said. And then you have employee turnover. Now the company's spending tons of money trying to, you know, grab new people, you can spend, the the research says, like for an executive role, you could spend up to 213% of, of that salary. 
And it's anywhere from like 30% of that person's salary to replace to 213. So it varies depending on role, but even 30% of that person's salary just to replace them is is an expense the company doesn't need to go through. Um, And other interesting data that I found is through Gallup. Gallup did an analysis of like over 100,000 businesses. And when you invest in employee engagement, it increases the profitability by 23%. So right there, I think that's part of what I want to say to leaders. Like you want to make some more money, invest in your people. Stop seeing them as expenses and start seeing them as your most valuable asset. Yes. Yes. Amen, sister. (laughs) I love that. Yes, 100%. And I think that you talked about culture. And I think this is interesting too, because I feel like companies, maybe not so much now post-COVID times, but I feel like back in the day, there was a lot of investment in team building. And we're going to, you know, especially in advertising, it was like, we're going to get a keg and we're going to have ping pong <laughs> and we're going to have all these things. And it's like, is that how you build the culture? Because there was so much money spent on that. And my perspective, and I feel like this is where you're going with what you just said, it's like the culture comes from inside the organization. I feel like team building comes from doing work that you love with teams that you love in an environment that feels like it's thriving. And and I think managers are the ones who influence that culture. What do you think of the relationship between like managers fostering a certain type of culture versus like the CEO or like the Mm -hmm. company values? How do you see those two things working together? Yeah, they're certainly intertwined. Um, I think that uh, the CEO should be setting the vision, right? And should be, you know, committed to driving the company forward. Um, Hopefully the CEO is putting really capable leaders under, you know, their umbrella. Um, And those leaders do need to know how to manage people. (laughs) And they do need to foster a culture where people feel seen and heard. And I'm talking about recognition and not just, hey, thanks for everything. Presentation was great. Right? That is not enough. That is not enough fuel for somebody to go on because they're stuck going, "Um, I just did a thousand different uh, things that took me two months and I did a thousand different things. Which part of those things do you want me to continue to do? You know, and how does it benefit me? How does it benefit the organization? And if you assume, especially you assume your A players, your, you know, your best uh, members of the team are set, they're good to go. They don't need your feedback and input. They absolutely do. Because yes. what can happen is you can end up losing the most valuable um, behaviors that they do if you're not there for them and ready to, you know, give them positive reinforcement about what they're doing as well. Um, and so I do think management is key to fostering that culture. But then I think managers need to also remember they are leaders too. Anybody with a direct report is both a manager and a leader in the company. Yes. Your people 
even if you're, you know, not at the highest ranks of the company, your people look to you as their leader, as their advocate, as their voice. Yes. And so, you know, depending on how that voice is, that voice is going to color their own culture. And I also say there's a culture within the company and there's cultures within each team. Yeah. So it really is important that everybody speaks the same language from the executive team to the director team, to the management team, to the people doing our individual contributors, right? Yeah. That's a huge piece of it because the speaking from, you said so many great things, but the speaking with the same voice and saying the same things is so important because that does start with the CEO. If the CEO doesn't have a strong vision or hasn't communicated that vision to the leadership team, aka also the managers, they can't lead teams to that vision. They can't help them see that vision. So what I've seen too is that then each manager sort of develops their own perspective. And Mm -hmm. that creates a breakdown because then they don't even realize that their, their road is all the way over to the left and the CEO's road is all the way over to the right. And then somehow you have to try to get those teams to go to a middle ground because for years, sometimes you could be leading teams over here and telling them these things that you think are true, but you don't actually know. But every manager knows you to keep morale up, you got to tell a story. Like there has to be some story there to keep them motivated and the fuel. I love that's the word that you used. Like, It's not enough to just say, okay, great job on that presentation. That's not enough. I love that because it's true. Like you need to be fostering and fueling people and giving them that continued kind of reason, the continued purpose for why they're there and all the personal reasons and all the business reasons and all those like big visions. And if you're not aligned with the CEO on that, it starts to get into kind of dangerous territory because you can really start to shape... Like the department culture is amazing, but you can start to shape like an offset of the business too, where then it becomes this little bit awkward kind of sidearm that doesn't belong because it's not aligned with the CEO's vision. How have you seen that work well or not work well when? there is alignment with the CEO on that vision or maybe when it's gone in a different direction. Have you seen that before in your experience? I have, yeah. And I think um, I've seen, you know, what I I call like outside, (laughs) it's funny, I'm a consultant, but I've seen an outside consultant brought in whose theories were all around punishment Uh. rather than reward. And so I saw, um, meanwhile, on the other side of the company, I'm learning all these wonderful things about the opposite of how you positively reinforce. And it was funny that it was literally at the same, on the same year, in the same months that these, I, I brought in a consultant, somebody else brought in a consultant. They had completely like 180 degree views from one another. And on that side, there was fear there was gossip, there was low morale, there was uh, less productivity for a while until that person was removed. Not to brag, I'm going to do a humble brag here, but (laughs) my side of the team was 
energized, excited about this idea of learning, speaking the same language, all using um, positive phrasing and really specific feedback to really stop and slow down. Slowing down to recognize each other for their importance and their contribution. And bizarrely, when you slow down to do that and you take the time to do that, people are more productive. People are more, it's intrinsic motivation. They start internalizing that. And it really, um, you know, we talked about earlier creating opportunities for growth and ownership. You couple those two things together. You give them the opportunity to lead, you partner with them, and you positively reinforce all of that along the way. It's powerful. And so while my teams were, 90% of my teams were all remote, working out of different offices. I've been remote working for, you know, 23 years. (laughs) So a little ahead of the time. Tools have evolved, thank goodness, to help with that. But um, we had one of the strongest cultures in the company. And, you know, you've recognized that. Yeah, it's, it's fun the way that you're describing this because this is exactly, I love that this is your mission. Like it all comes back to your mission, right? It's about driving high performance. Like you want to be able to have a high performing team and have productivity, but with joy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've talked about this before where in this more sort of disciplinary, different approach where it's a little bit more, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but maybe it's just not as joyful. There's maybe still high performers, right? Like it's a way to drive people. It's going to drive people for a while. But I think what you and I have seen is that it drives people, but then they can only drive so far. Like they, that's not enough fuel, right? Like that's not the fuel that's going to keep them there long-term. They're going to try to get the gold star from the coach. But then once they get the gold star, they're kind of going to be ready to go because that energy is hard to maintain, which I think is really, it's interesting that you, it's like a sociological experiment Mm -hmm. that you got to do, that you kind of got to see at the same time these two different approaches and what the result was in real time, which is kind of amazing. You got to like A-B test management styles in real time, which is fascinating, right? And like, what an amazing thing to be able to bring to your work as a consultant. Number one, seeing what happens when outside consultants come into a culture and how they can influence it. That's massive. Mm -hmm. And also just seeing these two different approaches um, and what sort of the results are. And I think there is this, this interesting belief that productivity and revenue and business growth comes from driving hard, grinding hard, pushing yourself, berating people when they're not doing well, and putting and them I on think, a pip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I feel like there's a shift and, and I love that you're helping foster that. I'm, I love that you're in the position where you can bring this experience and help foster that and, and help shape cultures to be more joyful, but still high performing, still like really 
feeling because people want to feel successful. So it's not about like a kumbaya circle, like you're still getting shit done and like working hard, but it's, but it's with passion and with fire and with support and encouragement rather than like, you know, a beat down, which we all do to ourselves. So we don't need anyone else (laughs) to do it to us, you know, all your employees are doing that. Like they're all doing that to themselves. They don't need someone else doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, the research is showing us that this, you know, millennials, Gen Z, they're not going to put up with that old paradigm. You know, they're looking for cultures that appreciate and value who they are and where they want to go and where they want to take their mastery. Absolutely. And I think part of that old that old style of managing too is kind of this old style of company culture, which is this idea of family, right? I think mm-hmm. this this new generation too is saying, you know, we're going to work when we're at work and then we're going to go have a life. And I think that's why those team building events and those things outside of work are not necessarily flying anymore. I know a lot of people are remote, so that factors in. But this idea of it's a family also fosters a little bit of this um, awkward relationship where you might be overcompensating or having conversations that are maybe not actually appropriate for the workplace because they're too caught up in um, an emotional bond because you feel like you, this is supposed to be your family, you're supposed to protect them. And I think, again, if you if you move away from that, if you move away from this this kind of connection. I don't think I'm being very articulate. No, no, I I hear what you're saying. I I think that, um, I think leaders and companies want that, but I think the way to get to that, again, is invest in the individual one-on-one and that connection will grow, right? Especially when you're giving them an opportunity to lead and people can't lead as a party of one, right? They're going to go out, they're going to collaborate, they're going to form more relationships. That connective tissue with the rest of the organization is going to grow stronger for them. And they are going to feel a sense of belonging and a sense of loyalty more so than if you kept them in their lane, just individually contributing and not look, you know, giving them some opportunities to grow and become a leader in the organization. Um, so I think that's part of what you're saying. I think that was maybe more what you're saying. Those old options are more forced feeling. Yes. We yes. are going to go and we are going to bond. And like, yes, like talking exactly. about alcohol at events, it's a whole nother story. Um, you know, it's unnecessary, right? Yes. Um, there are certainly, I mean, let it be organic, you know, let yeah. it unfold. You don't need to have the team building activity. All you need is a good meal. <laughs> just pay for their meal, you know, where yes. they get to have a conversation and then watch, you know, people bring board games and watch people hang out after dinner. That's <laughs> where the magic is. That's it. That's it. Definitely. Because I've also seen situations where, you know, companies will create these team building events and then they force you know, different teams to hang out with different teams, which is fine. I understand the reasoning behind it. But what happens when you have that interdepartmental culture going on 
that team is going to gravitate towards each other because Mm -hmm. they have a different bond around the work. It's not around the alcohol. It's not around the event. It's around the, hey, we just accomplished something amazing together. Let's celebrate together. And then they go out and they want to spend time together because they have this shared experience. Absolutely. Rather than like you said, it's like, let's force bonding. We need to like go. We need to spend this time together. I think it's just, there's more resistance to that now Mm -hmm. than ever because there's a bigger line between work and home. I mean, there's not because we're all working at home. Not all of us, but like more, more people are. But I think there's just more of that like desire to hold on to the sacredness of the time that you're not at work and Mm -hmm. and how important those relationships are to cultivate. Um, And and that's where I think too, that it's like you said, it's really helping these, you know, helping people thrive as individuals, giving them that one-on-one time and then they're fostering that culture too, right? So it's not just top down, it's really integrated from within. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. I do think the pandemic changed us and you're right. I think people value working from home. I think people value time with their family on another level. You know, it definitely taught us to be reflective about how we're spending our time. And we do want those boundaries and we don't want to work more than 40 hours a week. And the new generation is pretty adverse to that. And I get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and so, yeah. Yeah. And I think something that you said too was about just slowing down and taking that time, right? Like taking that time that ironically ends up making the team more productive. When you take that time, you you reflect back with people it's ironic how that starts to create more momentum because you've taken that time. And I think that's kind of the difference too of the type of environment you're trying to foster, the type of culture you're trying to foster with your clients is this idea of joy, right? Like you want to be... It's not going to be 100%. No one's going to 100% be happy and joyful at work. There are going to be hard days. But why start with that type of culture that's kind of top down, that's forcing people, that's, you know, berating them when they're down rather than like cultivating and creating at least as much as you can control it, a more joyful experience for people. 100% agree. Let's have fun while we're at work, right? Let's make it a, a fun and, you know, fulfilling part of our days. We do spend so much time. I think it's something like 30% of our lives we spend at work. Yes. It's a lot. It should be. Yeah. It should be joyful. I love this, Joy. I love that you're doing this work. I think it's super important. It's clearly part of your calling. (laughs) This is something that you're just so passionate about and you're so great at, at sharing all of your knowledge with people too. So so I love that I got a chance to talk to you about this new endeavor because, you know, my one listener is going to be really excited about getting in touch. I want to make sure I'm sharing all of your information as wide and far as I can, because I think that a lot of companies 
need this kind of support, especially now, especially as retention rates are shifting and people are leaving jobs because they're not happy. They're looking for something new. I think your services are a great way to support retention, to create a different type of culture and to give company owners really like a strong foundation and support system because you can be their thought partner. You can be their, you can be a CEO's manager, right? (laughs) And help them become better leaders, which is a beautiful thing. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, people can find, uh, my website is in progress. When it's out there, it'll be leadingwithjoy.com. But in the meantime, hit me up on LinkedIn, just Joy Meserve. It's like deserve, but with an M. (laughs) I love that. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Love this conversation. This is such a fun topic for me too. And thanks. And we'll leave it at that. Thank you. You've been listening to Business for Humans. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And please leave a review so that other business owners can find the show. Learn more at practica.consulting.com.